The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Welcome back to episode five of Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow. And can you believe they're still letting me do this? I cannot. We are broadcasting worldwide from Bloomington, Indiana. So I want to give a shout out to uh, what I just learned was one of my top listening locations, Rockford, Illinois. So shout out to Rockford, Illinois. Um, I don't know much about you, so I'm going to be looking up Wikipedia, I think, tonight and learn a little bit more about where my listeners are coming from. So thank you for listening. No matter where you are in the entire world, we welcome you, and I think there's good information for everyone to be had from this show. We're here to put the real uh, back into real estate, back into reality TV real estate, uh, talk about all things uh, that are real, real estate uh, the truth, not the mirage, uh, but what really happens, what really goes on, what you really need to know. Because um, I have to tell you, you know, I think the things that they, they do stuff on TV to create drama, we've talked about this. Um, I certainly think that in my world, especially the past week or two, it's been dramatic enough. Um, and I know Karen is here with me again, one of the best, not one of the, the best lender in the state of Indiana in the world, if she could be licensed for the world. Thank you for coming in, Karen. Thank you. So I had some late breaking news that I saw right before I walked out the door that had to do with real estate reality TV. So we're going to push aside briefly what I was going to talk about today, because I feel like this is really important, hard hitting journalism that I need to share with the world. Uh, And that was a headline. And Karen, I know you saw it too because you came running in the door and you said, did you see it? Did you see it? (laughs) That exciting. Here's the headline. Love it or list it. Homeowners sue over a Raleigh renovation. So do you know the show Love It or List It? Do you watch that, Karen? I know the show, but I'm not a big fan. I think the people are really mean. That's the impression (laughs) I got. They're no Chuck and Joanna. They are not Chuck and Joanna. I think they are saying Chuck instead oh, of Chip. Dang it. It's Chip. <laughs> no, but they. I think why I don't like it is because they enunciate everything that they say. They say list it. Oh, and I love it. Or list it. Yeah, so I don't watch the show. Okay, I don't like them because I think they're mean and they're nasty and why can't we all just get along and play nice? But anyways, here's the story. This is out of the Winslow, Winston-Salem Journal in, uh, is that, oh, I'm going to show really... 
um, Midwest cluelessness. That's North Carolina, right? Yes, that's okay, North Carolina. Thank you. <laughs> that's what I thought. All right, a Chatham County couple turned to H tuned to eight no turned to HGTV networks Love It or List It last year when they were considering renovating a rental property they had in Raleigh and moving into it with teenage foster children. Dina Murphy and Timothy Sullivan had done several home renovation projects before and knew such an undertaking could be time consuming. The two decided to turn to a designer, and as regular viewers of HGTV, aren't we all, a cable channel devoted to all things home and garden, they poked around on the web and found themselves drawn to a love it or list it advertisement. The show, which bills itself as a hit TV series, I guess you can just bill yourself as a hit TV series? Well, I think we bill your show as a okay. hit radio show. All right. We are now billed henceforth as a worldwide hit radio show. Uh, the show tries to entice homeowners whose home, for whatever reason, doesn't suit their needs anymore. Then, in an hour-long show, viewers see a crew renovate the home, show the couple other homes in the area geared toward a big reveal at the end. Will the couple love the redesigned home or list it for sale. Let me see if I can read ahead here. But basically, they contend that they were not only victims of shoddy work, but that they suffered from a breach of contract, unfair trade practices, and violation of North Carolina's general contractor laws, and a bizarre, this is what the lawsuit says, a bizarre business model that creates an inherent conflict of interest for a production company that makes most of its money on TV advertising. Because basically, they were hiring a production company to do their renovation instead of hiring a contractor. That's crazy. Right? If you think about it, I don't know. Um, So they said that the lawsuit offers a glimpse into what's often advertised as reality TV and the amount of staging that's entailed. Um, And I thought one of the really interesting quotes in this article um, was, where is it here, that the the, um, production company is called Big Coat. And um, they are saying that their lawsuit says that Big Coat's purported agreement admits that it is in the business of television production, not construction. And the homeowner funds essentially pay the cost of creating a stage set for this television series. Crazy, right? My brother lives in Redlands, California. Shout out to Redlands. He's an architect down there. And there was a house about two streets over from his house that was on that what was it, the Extreme Home Makeover? Do you remember when that was oh, yeah, really popular yeah. forever ago? And they would take these tiny little houses and turn them into these big, and there was a house that was like two blocks over. And it was like, and I remember going to visit him and I went for a walk so I could pass by the house because it so stuck out like a sore thumb. But I've heard stories about like when you go into that house, like nothing's really done. Like the tile never really set because they're trying to do everything in a super compressed amount of time. So there you go. Breaking news. We'll have to follow that lawsuit. Do we get that up on the Facebook page so people can find it? Rachel is well, all over it. Well, it just makes you wonder why, why would you turn to a reality TV show to get something done? Because that article also states that they put up a certain amount of money, but only a portion of that went to the contractor. So they deposited $140,000 with the production company. And 80, I think it was something like 85000 was uh, dispersed to the contractor. And it was a contractor that they didn't even want to use because apparently he had really bad reviews on Angie's list. So, I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I feel like there's a missing link and nobody's talking to anybody. This couple won't answer because their attorney has said, don't talk, right. talk to anyone. And obviously, Big Coat, the production company, is not saying anything either. So, um, But you but, would just think if you're depositing 140000 
as a homeowner, you're thinking you're going to get 140, about 140000 including labor, but the renovation's done. But in this case, it doesn't appear doesn't appear that way. So, uh, for reference, it's episode 152 of Love It or List It. Uh, so, that apparently took place last year. So, if we look that up, episode 152. And, uh, so, that's our late breaking hot news, what's going on and what's important. So, um, so did you have any drama in, in real estate world, lender world this week? I personally didn't, but someone in my company did. They had borrowers that were very interested in a house. Um, the loan program that they're going with um, has some eligible, or I don't know what the right word is, but let's just say that the well on this house, the water, the, well. The water well to this house, is located under the foundation of the home. That seems weird. It does seem weird. Um, the loan program that they were going with only allows for that situation to happen in like subarctic temperatures. So, so the, uh, subarctic. That's like where Santa lives. Uh, prob- probably. Yes. All those Alaska TV shows. Yes. So, um, and in Indiana, it doesn't meet that requirement. So, if if this person ended up getting financing and had issues with their water well, they would need to tear up essentially everything, you know, the foundation of their home. Right. Yeah. So I'm kind of glad that it wasn't my traumatic issue. Right. But, you know, someone someone in my company is experiencing this right now. See, so again, this is my point, HGTV. Why are you not picking up on this drama? It's riveting, isn't it? I think so. Fascinating. We need right? our own show. Exactly. My drama was that we got a deal closed last week that had died two weeks ago. And uh, in the interim, my sellers had had to rush their two-year-old to the hospital and was in the hospital for 16 days while we were trying to put the deal back together. And he got out of the hospital. And then the very next morning, we were cleared to close on the deal. So it was like the timing all eventually worked out perfectly. But it was just emotionally, I think, those are not phone calls I like to make to people. And when they have other things going on in their lives on top of it, you're like, wow, and now I have to bear even more bad news. But it all worked out in the end, and the baby's doing well, so that's awesome. So last week we talked, we finished up a two-part series on uh, the debunking of, we don't have anything to drink this week. Um, I don't know what's in that glass, actually. Karen, what are you drinking? Coke Zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, so last week we were debunking a multitude of mortgage myths, and uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to those shows if you haven't, because I think there was really good information in there. We talked about not having to have 20% down payment, um, how student loans do count against you even if they're in deferment or forbearance, um, how, this is one of my favorites, how income is not income unless it is reported. It's like if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it. If your income doesn't get reported to the IRS, it does not count, and there has to be a track record on that. Uh, we talked a little bit about how we have no idea how Chuck and Joanna's clients get financed for their fixer-upper. Quit calling him Chuck. His name is Chip. When he calls me and we're friends, then I will start calling call him, him Chip. Chip. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I like him. That's not I'm not being negative about him. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Uh, we talked about how condition of the property does matter to your lender and what to consider about not paying off your mortgage. I don't know if you remember the math from that. We talked about do you pay, would you pay $10,000 in order to save $2,500? Never. That doesn't make sense. 
And we talked about the myth of the biweekly mortgage payment. And I wanted to take just a second to touch on that because I found this really great website. And I think Rachel's going to put that up on the Facebook page. Um, I love, I always go to bankrate.com for mortgage calculators. I don't know why. It's just kind of where I've always gravitated. But they have a specific calculator that allows you to play around with making extra payments, which is really cool. Even if you're partway into your mortgage, it'll let you say, okay, I'm in year four of my mortgage. If I pay an extra $50 a month, what does that do to how much money do I save in interest over time? And how much quicker do I pay my mortgage off? And it can really let you every year sort of help you set your goals. So for an example, if you had a brand new 30-year mortgage um, for $200,000, let's just say today's interest rate is 3.75. If you paid an extra $50 a month, you would shave two years and eight months off of your mortgage, which actually doesn't sound like that much when you talk about 30 years, but you'd save $13,598 over the life of the mortgage. That's an extra 50 a month. If you do an extra 100 a month, you save $25,000 and you shorten your mortgage by almost five years. And if you did an extra 200 a month, you'd save $41,000 and shorten your mortgage uh, from a 30-year mortgage to more like a 22-year mortgage. So the calculator lets you put in those different scenarios and play around with it as you're budgeting. So I highly recommend you go there and check it out because I think that's a really, really good tool. Um, again, last week's show is available on iTunes and on the Voice America Variety Channel and also on my website, realrealestatetoday.com. Uh, so I encourage you to uh, go there and listen if you haven't listened to past episodes catch up on it uh, shout out to Wes who had a road trip down to Florida recently and downloaded all my shows and listened to them on the way down and he didn't crash he stayed awake so I think there's something to be said there we are going to go to a break here in just a second and I am going to ask you after the break how the heck to get onto Instagram because I'm still trying to figure that one out I'm there but I don't know how to tell you to get there so I'm going to tell you when we come back from break so we will be right back Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. We're back and trying to figure out Instagram over the break. So I did sign up for an account because I'm trying to hang with the youngins, although... 
Snapchat. Someone's going to have to figure that out for me because I, I don't understand what that's about. So go on to Instagram, follow me, Deb Tomorrow. D-E-B-T-O-M-A-R-O. It's kind of like tomato, but with an R. Um, and I'm posting things there. I'm trying to come up with catchy hashtags. I don't know how any of this stuff works. So far, I've come up with Realtor Life Doesn't Suck and Puppy Life Doesn't Suck. Those are my two big hashtags I'm posting on. So anyways, we are going to get to listener mail. Um, I had intended to do this sort of at the last segment of every show, but shockingly, I talk way too much, and we never get to it. So I've got some questions that we are going to talk about today. I think they'll be pretty interesting, and uh, we're going to get started. So the first one comes from a listener named Stavy. It's like Stacy, but with a V, which I, th- I don't know what the origin of that name is i don't either eastern sounds European? like a very interesting person though oh yeah there you go um so here's what stavy writes dear deb when we bought our house the seller would not accept an offer contingent on us selling ours so we found our dream house now what our daughter desperately wanted to move into our old house and she had a couple of roommates And they had all lived together for a few years. We knew they always paid on time, so we decided to go ahead and let them move in. Now our daughter has moved out, but the two roommates remain. One wants to purchase and has been purchased the house that they're in and has been saving for a down payment with no luck. Something always seems to happen that he has to spend money on. They continue to pay early, no late payments, and overall are very good tenants. But we feel like we have this cloud over our head of a second mortgage. Will they decide to leave? What if he can't get the money for down payment? We feel like it's family, even though they're not technically related. So we can't just say the deal is off. Plus, we really want him to have the house. It would be lots easier. So we wait. Um, Other issues that we don't have yet, but that stress me out. uh, If you sell to family and anything goes wrong in the next 40 years, it will be your fault. (laughs) If the floor starts to creak in 15 years, it will be your fault. This is the funny one. Uh, garbage disposal not working. It's because I put pota- potato peels in it before they were born. It took a while to actually break. <laughs> I want the most for the house. They feel like they should get a deal. I feel like we are now in I'm Screwedville, which is our worst fear. Signed, Stevie. So, as you can imagine, probably a touchy situation. And there was a whole lot in there. And I actually cut some out because it was like, whoa, there's a lot there. Um, so, first, I recommend pouring yourself a stiff drink. Um, and then I think we need to dissect this a little bit. So, first, let's talk about the financial aspects. And then we can talk a little bit about the emotional aspects. I sound like I'm Dear Abby, and I'm really not. I don't pretend to have any credentials on that whatsoever. But um, if it was her daughter who was buying the house, I'd certainly recommend maybe setting aside some of the rent each month. And then Karen, you can help me with this, but she could then gift some of that money back as a down payment, right? Right. I mean, the mom can definitely gift money to her daughter to help towards whatever loan program because most of them allow for gift funds. So however they decided to sort of almost like forcibly help save money, that could be done. But in this case, it wouldn't work, right? Because it's not her daughter buying the house. It's one of her daughter's old yeah. roommates. Most, most of the programs require the gifts to come from some type of family connection. Okay. Okay. Um, and unless they could establish a family connection, like, you know... She's known them since they were born, and they've been friends all these years, and now the daughter's in her 20s or 30s or whatever. You know, maybe. I mean, that would be a stretch. But here's my other question would be, if if 
if a daughter, or in this case, if someone was having a hard time putting money aside to save, what does Just that putting mean? putting them in a house a good idea. Yeah. Encouraging home ownership. Because yeah. I will say, I hope this doesn't turn out to be controversial, but I mean, I don't think home ownership is necessarily for everyone. I agree. You know, there, agree. Are, there are people in their situations who just at their uh, certain points of their life are much better off, you know, because I would have that same concern. What if the furnace goes out? If you can't save money aside for a down payment, which potentially is maybe $5,000 and needing $8,000 furnace a year later, what are you going to do? Freeze. Right. All right. Good point. I hadn't thought of that. Um, you know, I did want to say, you know, you certainly could encourage savings, um, it, it with this non-family member, but I don't, you can't mandate it. Um, what other loan considerations if it were a family member? Are there any other financial considerations in terms of getting a loan? I mean, if you're buying, I mean, certain loan programs, if you're buying a house from a family member, even though the standard down payment requirement may be a certain percentage, but if it's what's called a non-arm's length transaction, they might require a higher down payment. There's okay. definitely some um, caveats to that. So a non-arm's length transaction means that there is a deeper relationship between the buyer and the seller. Correct. And I think typically at closings, it's one of those multitude of papers that the title company or whoever's doing the attorneys doing the closing shoves at you to sign and just says, here, go ahead and sign this. It just says you don't know the buyer or you don't know the seller. That's They're signing a document and they usually sign something that says. On certain loan programs. Yeah, on yes. certain loan programs that we're agreeing that they're, we're not in cahoots behind the scenes. We don't have, because a lot of times family members will sell a house, uh, a parent will sell a house to a child as some sort of discount. Sure. Um, so, you know, the non-arms length transaction is, is designed to kind of help um, disclose that. Um, so that's a good point, too, uh, that you, you may have loan considerations to take into account if you're selling to a family member. Here's this is completely my opinion, I, which is, hey, that's why I'm doing the show, right? It's all about my opinion. Um, whatever you do, I'm going to say this to Stavey, do not sell on contract to the family member. That is, unless you are totally prepared to give them the house. And by give them the house, I mean give them the house. Um have you heard that saying where you don't loan money unless you're prepared to lose it? Right. I, I truly believe that. I agree. Do not loan money unless you are just, if it's a gift if you get it back, basically. And it's the exact same case with the house here. So do not sell it on contract, especially, like you said, uh, if they can't come up with uh, any kind of down payment money, then they may not be a great, if, and if a bank's not willing to take a risk on them, why should you take a risk on them? Um, and technically, a lot of times you can't sell on contract because if you have a mortgage on your house, then that technically, this is a, a common thing that people don't really understand. Mortgages have a due on sale clause, which says if you sell it to someone else, then the balance of your mortgage is due. That's correct. So most of the time when we do contract sales are a little not true contract sales because they're not really buying it from you. They're sort of renting it to own, I guess, because they can't really sell it because the yeah. mortgage and is I still don't, there. And I don't know how many um, how many lenders that currently like service the existing loan. Like I don't know if they ever find out. Right. Or they don't what do happened. bed checks. Right. 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 Yeah. Lenders aren't knocking on the door doing bed checks, but I think eventually they figure out if the mail is not going where they thought it was going to be going. Um, and then again, you know, you 
I guess part of my question, and I don't know the answer to, is you know I'm assuming that you're selling the house at fair market value if you were to sell to these roommates. Um, if you're not selling it at fair market value and you're selling it at a discount to family members, you could also face some pretty serious tax implications. Um, and so that's something you'd want to talk to your uh, accountant about as well. So those are sort of some of the financial things to think about. Um, but there's a huge emotional aspect to this, too. And I'm sure that's probably what's stressing you out. Um, you know, you have to look out for yourself first. And, and we hear this all the time. I see it on Facebook every day. There's a meme about it every day, right? About taking care of yourself first. If you're stressing yourself out because of the situation, then in the end, that's not good for your family. So don't feel bad. Just do what you need to do to feel like you gave them every chance possible and then and set yourself up to gracefully walk away. Um, overall, I think it's really scary to sell to someone you know. I sold um, my old car to uh, someone I know. Terrifies me. Every day it terrifies me. I can't even look her in the eye. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it was an old Volkswagen. It had 200,000 miles on it. I took pretty good care of it, you know, but it's like if something is the exact same thing. What if the car breaks down? She's going to find you because you're all over the place. She's not going to find me because her car's not going to work. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like it terrifies me. Um, right. And I think it's the same thing, you know, whether it's a car or a house. Uh, you know, in our world, you know, we own a bunch of rental properties. We try not to rent to people we know. Uh, we have rented to a few. But we try, you know, just entering into any business relationship with people you know can put that personal relationship at risk. Uh, and it may sound like a good situation, but many, many times it does not turn out that way. Um, I had a, a client who wanted to buy his uncle's house, um, but he was, he, he's a very, very smart guy. Um, and he knew that he wanted to preserve the relationship with his uncle. So what he actually did was contact me. Um, I had been helping them with real estate things over the years. And he had me help negotiate the terms. Uh, and he really treated the transaction like it was a normal real estate transaction. It wasn't something between family members. Uh, it kind of threw me in there as a neutral party uh, to treat things uh, normally. I remember him clearly saying that he knew there were going to be inspection issues and he wanted someone to help deal with it to preserve a relationship with his uncle. Um, and I think they continue to have a healthy relationship today, even though, in all honesty, the buyer did find some surprises in the house after they had moved in and lived there for a while. I don't get the sense that he holds it against the uncle because the he felt like he had the opportunity to do his due diligence and treat the, the transaction just like a normal real estate transaction. Now, there's another example of uh, a daughter who wanted to buy her dad's house, and he would currently been renting the house out. And they had agreed on a price and then kind of didn't know what to do from there, you know, trying to figure out how to write up the purchase agreement, that sort of thing. Um, and who knows what they wrote into the contract. But what was interesting, I don't know all the details, but I heard that the appraisal came back almost double what the uh, daughter had agreed to pay on the house, and suddenly the deal was off. You know, and I know that these were good people. They had a good, strong relationship, the father and the daughter. Um, I had known them years, or, you know, I, I've known them both. Um, and so, I, you know, who knows? You can kind of fantasize about why that deal fell off when the appraisal came back so high. But, um, you know, 
it just kind of makes you wonder if Thanksgiving dinner is going to be a little sticky from here on out. So, so my recommendation to Stevie is to set a deadline, you know, perhaps get a willing realtor or a lender involved to help the buyer with a plan to save and to get ready for financing and go ahead and say that I can't carry the stress of this home any longer and say it to them. You know, it's keeping me from doing the things I want to do, like going to Disney World. Um, and I'm going to help you. But if we can't get it done by February 1st of next year, I'm going to have to put the house on the market. I think that that's completely fair. And in the meantime, while he's working on saving, you need to be working on saving up money for repairs, for mortgage payments, because you're probably going to need to sell the house without tenants in it, because I'm pretty sure that they're not going to keep those dishes clean and keep the place spotless for showings. Um, It's not a short-term solution for this situation. Um, but I think if you give yourself a year exit strategy, you'll have some options. Give them plenty of heads up. Uh, they'll be given every opportunity in the world to make something happen, and it's then it's on them uh, on whether they choose to take that opportunity and run with it or go back to bed, which is what I suspect may be happening. Um, definitely, again, use a professional who help uh, help it feel more like a business transaction rather than a family deal, rather than a discussion about where we're going to have dinner. This is a pretty big deal. So um, so that is my advice to Stavy. We are going to go to a break, come back with another listener mail question. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Thanks for listening. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Thank you for coming back. I was negotiating real estate deal during break. It's not amazing how we can do that with technology. I always used to say, I remember real estate before there were smartphones. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm sure there were probably, you know, and then we go, how did they ever do it before there were cell phones? Or how did we do, do it before email? Or digital cameras. 
any of Do you know how they did it before digital cameras? No. When you got a new listing, you had this listing sheet that you would fill out and go and make photocopies of. And then you would go around to each of the real estate offices in town and give them a copy of that, and they would put it in a big giant binder. And then if you were a realtor and you were looking for a house for a client, you would go through the binder and look for stuff. It's like the card catalog. It is like the card catalog. Oh, you know, my very first job when I was 15 was at the library. I do love the Dewey Decimal System. Anyways, let's get back to viewer, listener, viewer, listener mail. Someday it'll be viewer mail. Uh, listener mail. So here is an email that I actually got over the weekend. Uh, dear Deborah, you can tell it was someone who didn't know me and they found me on the internet or they found my website and they I'm were very formula. Deborah, Deborah. I'm usually in trouble when that is it. Dear Deborah, XYZ Realty came here to offer assistance on possibly selling our home a few days ago. She sent us several, seven comparable homes, five of which sold here recently. Uh, the average listing price of the seven comparable houses amounts to about $94,600. So they just took the seven comps and averaged them out. The realtor wants us to list our house for under $90,000. If we listed our house for under $90,000, wouldn't this devalue the homes in this area since comparable homes average more than $94,000? We want to list this home for the best amount. Your opinion would be very much appreciated when you have time. If there's anything more I can do, please let me know. If a second opinion for information on this isn't something that's normally done, I understand and I appreciate your telling me. Signed, Shirley. And I really appreciated her, that very last sentence, because this is sticky when someone asks you your opinion and they are already working with another realtor. We certainly have an ethical obligation and a a professional obligation to not step on anyone's toes. Uh, I, I certainly don't like to create undue, um, I guess, trust issues, um, you know. So I did respond back to her and say, don't know that it would be appropriate or professional of me to step on your realtor's toes, especially if you have a signed listing contract, which she later said she did not have a listing contract, so she wasn't under a contract with her. Um, but I did appreciate her recognizing that that might be an issue. Um, so I just want to be respectful of what I say and, and not say anything about the other's other realtors' actions. Um, and so what I do in the situation like that is I just say, I, I can't tell you what the other realtor is doing or thinking or why they're rationalizing. I can tell you what I do. Um, and then, you know, you can take what you want from that. So what I was explaining to her was that to me, price is not just a straight average of past sales. Uh, it's And it's not a straight price per square foot calculation, which you see people want to do either. In this neighborhood, houses sell for $120 a square foot or $260 a square foot or whatever. It's not quite that simple. Um, there is a lot of knowledge and a lot of understanding that should go into determining price. Um, now, what we're really talking about here is value. I mean, that's what people really want to know. We say price, but what we really mean is what you know, value of the home. So who determines value? Is it the appraiser or is it the assessor or is it the realtor or... I submit to the jury, is it the buyer and the seller? So let's talk about what those mean because one of the most common things that I get uh, people uh, mixed up with is appraisal and assessor assessment. So Karen, what's an appraisal to you? An appraisal to me is when an appraise, a licensed appraiser goes out to the subject property all, and they have to stay within certain guidelines and things like that, but they're looking for comparable sales, typically within the last six months, sometimes up to a year, depending on the location, but to try to give their best opinion of what that subject value's home is worth based on those sales, um, the size, 
you know, all of those other things that go. Mm-hmm. So it's a very specific process. I mean, I think that they've got uh, very specific forms that, and, and, and it's uh, very standardized. Um, I will say, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I can't think of There's not many times that people call an appraiser out unless a mortgage or a refinance is involved. Every once in a while, people will say, oh, I just want to get an appraisal for my house. But, you know, in our market, appraisals cost around four to $500. So most people don't just choose to do that. Right. Or you, if you're going through a divorce. Yeah. Or maybe there's um, like an estate or something yeah. like that. Like you, I'm going to take care of yeah. my parents' estate or something. Okay. We need to know the value. But you certainly have to pay for it. What I think is interesting is that we like to think that that appraiser's value is an objective black and white thing. But I don't think it is. I think it's an art. And I think that if you had two appraisers go out on the same day, you'd probably get two different numbers. Everybody kind of, you know, weights things a little bit differently. How much do you adjust for a fireplace and versus something that doesn't have a fireplace versus a lot that's a little bit bigger or a lot that's a little bit flatter so it has more usable space. Um, you know, I, but whatever the value is, it is going to be supported by what's happened in the past. I think that's what appraisers are focused on is the, the past. Um, now, an assessor, people get this confused all the time. So assessments are typically for tax purposes. Um, around here, we have a county assessor. They go out and they say what they think the value of the house is. Um, and then that's what your property tax is based on. And I often get buyers and sellers telling me what the assessed value is of any property um, that they're interested in or that they own and thinking that that's what market value should be. And if we get to it in the last segment, we're going to talk a little bit about some examples of some of those values and how they're not. I know around here, and I'm going to have to ask the Monroe County Auditor to please turn the radio off for a minute so that I can say this, because uh, I love you, Auditor, um, but um, you know, typically their assessed values are lower than market value which is kind of what you want because it helps keep your property taxes lower. Right. I was going to say, I mean, but if you if I'm a if I'm someone interested in buying a house and I look up that house and the assessed value is 150 but it's listed at 200, you know, a, a buyer may say, "Well, I'm not going to offer, you right. know, close to right. list price." Right. That's and that's what we run into. So you need to understand that it's for a completely different purpose. So when you're determining value, there can be multiple values for the same home depending on who's determining the value. So uh, appraisers usually determining the value for a financial purpose. The assessor is usually determining a value for a taxing purpose. And then we have the realtor. Uh, and as a realtor, we often do a market analysis, which is very, very similar to what an appraiser does, although we do not have appraiser training or appraiser licensing. Um, I want to give out respect to the appraisers so that they, you know, give good appraisals to my listings. Um, but we do compare with past sales. We make adjustments based on how many bathrooms and how many fireplaces and what the lot's like. But that's not really my preferred way. Uh, I don't know if you figured this out yet, but I'm a bit of a rebel. Um, so I like I look at past sales, but at determining list price, I more often look at what the competition is. It's a crazy thought, right? I try to get inside the head of who the potential buyer is, and I do a search on what homes they might be looking at. So if I say, okay, if I'm going to be listing this house, what other homes would that buyer for this house also be looking at in the same market. And I might even try and go see the homes if I haven't seen them. So I don't really care what something sold for last year, but I certainly care what is currently on the market because that's what buyers are comparing your home to. Um, I'm honestly more concerned about what is the price that's going to get the buyers in the door so they can fall in love with the house. 
um, I keep the appraisal idea in the back of my head for sure because what if my seller gets an offer or what if my buyer makes an offer and the property can't appraise? We just had this happen last week. Uh, there was multiple offers. Uh, first day on the market, we offered a pretty high price thinking, mm, we're not sure if it's going to appraise or not. We didn't. We came in $1,000 short. We made it work. You know, we have to renegotiate a little bit, but we knew that that was potentially going to be a risk. Um, so I think about it, but again, I'm more concerned about what is the price that we need to price something at so that we can get the most buyers in the door so that someone will fall in love with it. Um, so that's kind of, I think, where the realtor is coming from when you're asking them about value of your home. But let's talk about the buyer and the seller. Karen, you've heard me make this speech before, right? Have you heard me make the speech about market value? What is market value? I don't think so. No. I think I, I thought I made the speech in my home buyer class a lot. Um, and there's hand gestures that go with this, but I know we don't have that here. So I may have to have Rachel. Oh, yes. You know, I know that. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah, the points when you started doing the hand okay, gestures, see, I got it's, it. It's all about the hand gestures. So we may have to YouTube it if I'm feeling confident about my hair, <laughs> which I'm not today. Thank God for radio. So market value is really only determined when a buyer is willing to pay what a seller is willing to accept. Okay, that's when those, so I always take my fingers and I go, when a buyer's willing to pay, and I point it down, and when a seller's willing to accept, and when those two points cross, then that's when you have market value. And at the end of the day, that's the value that truly matters if you're trying to sell your house. That, that value isn't what matters when you're getting an appraisal because you're getting divorced or because it's an estate situation if you're not trying to sell the property. But that is from the real estate world, buying and selling homes, that's what matters. The buyer has a point of view on the price and the seller has a point of view on the price. And when those two points of view are the same, you have value. As a seller, you want to try and get the buyer to see your point of view, right? Or at least come close to it. Um, so how do you get the buyer to see your point of view? Uh, and this I think we're going to talk about next week because we're going to talk a lot about sellers next week and things that smart sellers are doing. So we'll talk about this some more. But, you know, I try to make my listings, um, you know, my goal is to make them look like they have more value or make them actually have more value than any other listing, comparable listing on the market. This can be really hard for homeowners because you have to be really objective about it. And when it's your home, it's hard to be objective. I, I saw something on Facebook today and I reposted it on or shared it onto my uh, Facebook page. And it was, you know, I can't remember exactly what it said, but there was a like seller sitting there saying, you know, but this is like the best home in the entire universe kind of right. thing, right? We run into that a lot. And I get that. I think the same thing about my house. I could anything say, say anything bad about my house. So, you know, Shirley, I'm not sure I truly answered your question, um, but I want to make uh, the same point that I made when we were answering Stavy's question before is that, you know, listen, do what you need to do. Don't, don't price your house based on what it may or may not do to your neighbor's home. Price your home based on what your goals and objectives are. Uh, I'm sure that Shirley's question probably really was, don't you think my realtor is pricing my house too low? Um, and I have to say, I haven't been in your home, so I don't really know how it compares with other homes that are currently for sale or how buyers might value it. Um, you need some objective opinions on that, whether it's, you know, having some friends look at some pictures of homes that are comparable homes that are for sale and giving you objective opinions on your house. Um, I, I guess the one thing I would say is that in the end, if you don't trust your realtor, you may want to rethink that relationship. Um, because that's certainly important. There has to be an establishment of trust there. So anything to add to that? 
No, I think it'd be hard to be objective as a seller because that is your home and you've made it your home for however many years you've lived there. So if the floors squeak, that might be like, you know, that means home to you. Well, and you've and lived a, there to know long enough to know that the floors aren't going to cave in. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I have like a slope in my house because I live in a hundred year old house. I've lived there for 10 years. I know that slope doesn't change. It hasn't changed in 10 years. It's been that way probably for 50 or more, but a buyer's not going to know that. Or yeah. Or like sometimes, you know, as a seller, we would say, oh, that just means that it's the home's lived in. Right. This is homey to us. Right. It's character for sure. So, all right. We are going to come back after break with one more, uh, listener question and, uh, Check me out on Facebook while you are listening to break and uh, tell me what I said on that post because I can't remember, but it was funny. We will be right back in a few minutes. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. We're back. It just occurred to me I should have Instagrammed something during that break. <laughs> but see, I don't have the mindset. I will say yesterday I was standing in a paint store getting some stain from my fence, and I Instagrammed some paint colors. Like I, I was, I had that mindset. I was like, oh, I'm standing here waiting. I can Instagram something. Well, it's really easy because when you go to like post something on social media, it gives you all those outlets you want to do. Twitter, Facebook, whatever. You can go boom, boom, boom. And that same photo or whatever goes to all of them. Yeah, I don't have that figured out yet. Okay, we'll work on that. I have that. the Instagram, but I haven't figured out how to get it over to Facebook. And then I think, am I annoying if I put it on Instagram and Facebook and people have to see it twice? See, that's how I am. But, but on My Instagram, producer's shaking her head vigorously and saying, no, post, post, post. But on Instagram, you have all those filters. You can do all those fun things with understand. it. Okay, but you can't filter paint colors because then that defeats the purpose. No, but when you're doing pictures of your dogs and your puppies and stuff like that, we'll talk about other show on Instagram. I took a dead snake out of my puppy's mouth today. I'm that sorry. should have been a black and white. Right, no, <laughs> there was screaming and maneuvering, and it was not a pleasant situation. And then it was like, hey, let's go inside and wash our hands. Anyways, hey, we're here to talk about real estate. I have one last uh, uh, listener mail. Dear Deb, 
Why does your blood pressure go up every time anyone says the word Zillow? I worry about you. Take your vitamins. Love, Mom. That's supposed to be funny. I was waiting for someone to laugh. Well, no, I'm just, laughing? I'm A, wondering if, did your mom really send that to you? She could. She could. Maybe. Because I know she's listening. She does Hi, listen. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Yep. She, she posts on my Facebook page every time afterwards, just to, to refers back to something that I said on the show, so I know she's listening. Um, and last week, we did talk a little bit about a Zillow rant with uh, the CEO of, of Zillow, or Twitter Twitter rant, I guess. What is it when they call when, like, you know, Kanye and whoever gets into it on Twitter? Twitter feud. I had a Twitter feud, not really, with the CEO of Zillow. It was just, it was a very polite exchange. But anyways, plain and simple, though, Zillow makes a realtor's life. H-E double hockey sticks. That's hell. This uh, goes beyond my run-in with the Twitter feud. Um, But if you want to hear about that, listen to last week's show. There is no way anyone can say the word Zillow without me making a gagging noise or at least crinkling up my face and possibly cursing under my breath. Um, There are hundreds, probably thousands of websites that consumers can search for homes. But obviously, the biggest one in the country is Zillow. And I stuck it up and I deal with it. And honestly, it's not, if people like the search engines, I'm totally down with that. Here's my issue with Zillow. First of all, they make me say the word zestimates. I I don't like that word. Zestimates. It's made up. It's fake. So it's not cute. They think it's cute, zestimates. Um, But beyond just having to say the word, those zestimates are what makes our life really difficult. Um, People do not come up with Zestimates. How many times we guys have drinking games? Drink every time you say zestimates. Hashtag, yeah. Oh man, you do a hashtag. Uh, So who comes up with the zestimates? It's computers. It's. uh, I always joke that I think the computer's name is Hal because there's some movie, right? Nobody in this room would know it. Rachel, do you know the movie? Okay, there you go. Two thousand one Space Odyssey, and the and the computer got like mean right I've never seen the movie I don't watch space movies but except Apollo 13 which is my most favorite movie on the face of the earth but anyways I'm digressing Um, I think the computer at Zillow hates us because the numbers are never right and as we talked about with appraisers and with realtors and with trying to figure out what the value of your home is it's not a black or white it's not binary code it's not something that you just input some data into a spreadsheet and it spits out what a value is but the thing with Zillow that drives me crazy is that the numbers are way too high and the numbers are way too low and so there's I can't even say you know oh Zillow's always too low or oh Zillow's always too high it's all across the board, and I have some examples. I had some clients once literally walk away from a home because Zillow said it was worth $208,000, and the sellers weren't going to come down under two ten. dollars And then they said, nope, we're done, and they walked away. They never did buy it. So here's another example, and these are homes that closed literally last week. So you cannot get any more recent than this. So here's one that closed, sold for $152,000. $152, Zillow says it's worth, drumroll please, uh, you could do that, but I'm it would probably sure. drive the sound engineer crazy if we did that on the microphone. Uh, okay, sold for 152000 Zillow says it's worth 180000 So oh. did the seller lose her shirt? No, I promise you she did not. We worked really hard to sell that house for 152000 But let's make it even more interesting. The assessed value is 129000 Holy cow, that's a $50,000 swing between uh, an appraisal because we had it appraised because we sold it. What did it appraise for? Like one fifty three. Okay. So it appraised for one fifty three. Our sales price is one fifty two. Zillow says one eighty. Assessed value one twenty nine. 
can you can you understand why people are confused? Yeah, I think so. Huh? No, I was thinking of a story that I don't may not want to share about my husband using Zillow. Oh yeah. To look up a value of a property up in Michigan because we're not, you know, we're in Indiana. Just trying to figure out what Zillow would say the Zestimate was. And I said, who are you married to? (laughs) We don't go off of Zillow, you know. That's not a real number. You need to contact a realtor up there and find out what those homes are going for. Here's a home that sold four days ago. It sold for $430,000. Zillow says it's worth three eighty four. dollars so did the buyers overpay by 50000 I mean, I'm an li- awesome listing agent, but I don't know that I'm that good. Um, and I don't know what the appraisal was, but it was at least 430 because the deal was financed. They had a mortgage on it. The assessed value is 364 So again, fair market value in terms of it's sold for 430 Zillow says 384 and the assessed value is 364 Absolutely crazy. And there's one more because this one's crazy too. Uh, and this house is over here near my office. It sold for $342,000. Zillow says it's worth $456,000. More than $100,000 more than it sold for. I don't even know what to say. So, you know, let's go back to that first example where the house sold for $152 and Zillow says it's worth $180. Here's the thing. The house has a ton of square footage. It's an older home. It's got a basement, but it has some functionality challenges. It's got really small bedrooms and some small closets. There's no master bathroom. Uh, There's no defined dining room. And so I have to ask you, has a Zillow guy ever been in your house? I hope not, because if he has, you probably need to call the police. But does he know these things? I'm saying it's like it's a him. The Zillow guy? Well, we're calling him Hal. Hal. Hal the Zillow guy. There you go. There's my hashtag. There it is. How the Zillow guy. Uh, so does he know these things? Has he looked at the market supply of homes in the area to know where prices are trending? I mean, right now, things in our market are going crazy. Does he know what supply and demand is? I have to take a deep breath because my blood pressure is going up a little bit. Um, I'm not going to tell you to not use Zillow for searching for homes. I know a lot of people really like the search capabilities. Um, I just want to beg you to realize that value, as we've been talking about for probably the last half hour, is not a mathematical equation. It's not something that's cut and dry. Value is determined at a moment in time. Here's, here's my hand signal again. This is, I need to Instagram this. Okay. Value is determined at a moment in time by two parties who are making a decision based on their needs and goals at that moment in time. This is very like uh, economic. My Mr. McGath, he was my high school economics teacher. I think he'd be proud of me the way I'm trying to talk about these economic issues, right? Um, Zillow doesn't take that into account. Zillow doesn't take into account what the buyer needs or what the buyer or seller needs. Um, so that's that's why it raises my blood pressure because what I have to end up doing is defending. I feel like I'm defending myself. Maybe I'm too sensitive. That's highly possible. Um, I have to make recommendations that I have taken a long time to cultivate and study and learn. And I feel like Zillow just reduces all of my work, all of my experience, every, all the hard you know lessons that I've learned at, to just a simple spreadsheet. Uh, and I have to say, and I slam my hand down on the desk, I am more than a spreadsheet. So that's that's why Zillow raises my blood pressure. I'm learning to deal with it. I'm learning to take some deep breaths, some yoga breaths, uh, and, and we'll survive. Um, but I may have to tweet the Zillow CEO again. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Um, so what are our lessons that we have learned today? 
I think in summary, it is okay to put yourself first. That's a very Dear Abby, Dr. Laura kind of thing, right? It's okay to put yourself first, whether it's selling to a family member, whether it's uh, determining what the value of your home is or what you need to sell your home for. Um, Don't worry about your neighbors. Uh, Understand what true market value is. That value is determined in part by the reason that you are seeking value. And if it's that you are seeking value to sell your home, then that value is determined by the buyer and the seller. And the other lesson that we learned today is that send me your listener questions because I'd like to be able to do this. If I can't get to it at the end of every show each week, I certainly would like to be able to um, maybe once a month or every few weeks do a show dedicated to following up on listener questions. We are going to uh, be back at it next week with 10 things that smart sellers are doing So I'm pretty excited about that because we haven't talked a whole heck of a lot about sellers. So uh, please tune in, mark your calendars, make sure that you are uh, ready to take some notes because these are things you're going to want to do when you sell your home to ensure a smooth process and the best price possible. And these are timeless things. This doesn't have to do with today's market. Uh, You know, any market, uh, Rockford, Illinois to uh, Malaysia, we had a lot of listeners in Malaysia as well. Um, So any, any market, this is all basic common sense stuff. So we are going to sign off, Karen. Thank you for joining me once again, world's best damn lender. Yeah, she's doing her princess wave goodbye. Uh, please follow me on Facebook. Look me up on Instagram. I have 34 followers, right? So I'd like to increase that to 42 by next week. I'm going to put it out to the universe. That's my goal. So follow me on Instagram and um, check me out on Twitter as well. My email, Deb at Real Real Estate today.com. Thank you for listening and we will be back next week. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host Deb tomorrow for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets. 